This is the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast with Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. I'm Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Evan Lazar. Hello, everybody. Nailed it. Joined, as always, by Alex Barth. That's a bit. That's a match. No risk it, no risk it. 22. Here is Evan Lazar and Alex Barth. The band is back together, babe. 22. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Catch-22 Podcast right here on Patriots.com. Evan Lazar, joined, as always, by Alex Barth and I'm I'm calming down a little bit. No, you're, you you keep that you keep that at a ten I'm, for this show. I, I want you to down keep that at a ten. Let's have some fun. Let's let's rip this thing open a little bit. I, I want to rip this thing open because I was going to do this anyways, but I'm glad that Paul. So yeah, the give, give the background bit. though, because so I think people, are, people I think can go listen to in. Patriots Unfiltered if you're just listening to this show on, on a, as a one off. And uh, Paul and I, uh, very friendly by the way, I love Paul. Got into it a little bit about. Mac Jones and Tua and sort of the situation that Mac Jones is in right now versus looking at Tua in Miami, who is just the guy that I use as the example because, uh, nerd alert, Tua right now is number one in the league in EPA per dropback. Number one in the NFL. So he's the most. Is that supposed to mean something? He is the most productive quarterback in the league right now. Every single time he drops back to pass, he's the most productive quarterback in the league right now. My point, Alex, was simply that did Tua get remarkably better from last year where he was middling in that stat. I I don't know the exact ranking, but middling in in EPA. Did he get remarkably better overnight or in one offseason that he's now grading out at least as the best quarterback in the league? Or did the Dolphins hire Mike McDaniel, trade for Tyree Kill, that one, stop that one. Sign for Teron Armstead to protect his blind side. All right, you, you sold it already. Okay, keep going. They did do a lot of things. Keep going. The point that I was trying to make, and I think you can go across the NFL nowadays, and you can make this case for several quarterbacks, not just Tua. The point I was trying to make is that you need to do everything in your power in this league to make life as easy on the quarterback as possible. And everything that I have seen the Patriots do, going back to the offseason when Josh McDaniels took the Raiders' job and they decided to roll with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as their brain trust on offense, and their big offseason addition, I I get they drafted Tyquan and maybe that will end up being the big offseason addition in the long run, but he's just a rookie and then he missed time. The big offseason addition to the offense was Devontae Parker. Yep. Those were the moves that they made. And I tweeted this out yesterday, and Max only in year two, so we're still one year away. So that's why I'm remaining patient with the Patriots. I'm remaining patient with Mac Jones because I think that they're one year away from that. What's what's the word from from that window? Yeah, that window. That, that make it or break it year. Okay, that's yeah, that's fair. Make it or break it. I think year three for quarterbacks from in that this benchmark is make it or break it. And I think when you look across the league, and I tweeted this out yesterday. What did the Bills do in year three of Josh Allen? They traded for Stephon Diggs. What did the Dolphins do in year three with Tua? They traded for Tyree Kill. What did the Eagles do in year three with Jalen Hurts? They traded for A.J. Brown. This is the pattern now. So the Patriots have one more offseason to go. They have one more year to go with Mac Jones. This is not to excuse Mac Jones for all of the regression and and some of the bad play that he's put on tape because he certainly has and we'll get to it but this is just as a way to tell people that right now 
with Matt Patricia calling his plays and designing his offense, and his best receiver, who I think is a good receiver, better than he was, he keeps getting better, but his best receiver bottom line is Jacoby, right? Yeah. Jacoby's a really good number two. He's a, a fine number one, but he's not the guy, right? He's not Diggs. He's not Tyreek Hill. He's not A.J. Brown. He's not one of those types right. of players. He's Gabriel Davis. He's Devon, right. you know, yeah. Right. So the point that I'm trying to make is, is that every single quarterback in the National Football League looks better when the situation around him is good. Shocker. I know. Such a re- revelation. But when they have receivers to throw to, they have protection, and they have good play design, you can make a lot of quarterbacks, guys that, quite frankly, I think Tua, for example, is okay, good. This year he's been excellent. But he didn't just go from being okay, good, to being excellent on his own, right? And, right. and that's the biggest point that I'm trying to make. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Uh, you can email in on uh, webradio at patriots.com. 855-PATS-500 is the phone number to weigh in on this. And, uh, Alex, we'll take your take here in a second. And then I do want to actually break down Mac Jones's game on Sunday and talk about the good and the bad because I don't want people to think that I'm just making excuses for Mac. What More what I'm doing is is critiquing the current situation that any quarterback that would be playing for the Patriots right now would right. be in. But what's your and opinion on all I, I think it's funny you say that. I think the third-year thing, I don't want to say you're putting too much emphasis on that. It's almost a coincidence. The The reason the third year is big is because after the third year, you have to decide on the fifth year option. After three years, you basically decide whether or not that, you know, three years of a rookie deal, you basically decide whether or not that quarterback's the guy moving forward, right? Daniel Jones is the anomaly here. Yeah. So, you know, you, you, you threw out all those examples, the Dolphins, the Eagles, the Bills, sure. But what about the, the Bengals? They added the guy in the second year, right, in Jamar Chase for Joe Burrow. And I think we got a great example, example this week of what that kind of receiver can do for a young quarterback. Look at what the Bengals' offense looked like without Jamar Chase. That thing was a wagon. Right. You know, up to that point, he goes out. They can't move the ball in the Browns, who Bailey Zappi shredded for 300 yards. Yeah. So, to me, it's about getting that guy. Forget the third year. I think get him as soon as possible. If you sure. can get, maybe don't get him the first year because you'd want to make sure that your rookie quarterback can, like, belongs in the NFL before you you make that kind of investment. Because all of those guys are significant investments. Every guy you named there, Diggs, uh, uh, AJ Brown, et cetera, et cetera. But to me, it's just about go get the guy, and it it's night and day for what it can do for a young quarterback. And Parker's a guy, Jacoby's a guy certainly, but it's still you know. When they were talking about Calvin Ridley in the offseason, they they being like sources were, were, were saying the Patriots were interested in Calvin Ridley, yeah. obviously before he got suspended. Potentially the guy, right? Um, some of these guys that, that the contracts will be up soon. I believe Justin Jefferson is entering that key year, right? A guy like that. The guy. You bring that guy in here. You put that guy in this offense. All of a sudden, things are going to look a lot better for Mac Jones or whoever it is, like you said. So... The third year thing, I think, to me is more, we have to decide by year three. So if you don't get the quarterback, that guy, by year three, you're not going to get him that guy, period. Like, it's just not going to happen. Right, right. But It's also a, ca- a contractual thing, obviously. No, but that, that's what I'm saying. You, like that. You, need to, you, you need to know by the end of the third year whether or not, like, that's when the decision's made. Right. You're not going to go into that fourth year without an option. You know, very, I, the, the Ravens would be an exception, Lamar, but 
I think they're butchering that whole situation personally. The Giants would be an exception, but Daniel Jones did not look like a guy that deserved another contract. Right. You just it's it's all about getting that receiver, that guy. And I'll tell you this, when we do this show in the offseason, and you know what, I'll say this too. I cut you off for mentioning Teron Armstead. I shouldn't have done that. No, you because have. this when we do this show in the offseason, people who are familiar with us, who listen to our old the the two previous iterations of this podcast yes. know that we are off season guys. Yes. It's going to be a lot of talk about that guy at wide receiver and at tackle. tackle. That is what like 80% of the show is going to be. And the other 20% is going to be me trying to strong him, strong arm in conversations about pass catching backs and punters. Tackles, 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 tackles. So I, I look, I, I, I brought up Aaron Rodgers and you know, Paul clapped back at me about that because Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, which is totally fair. But I think that, that's the perfect example to me because last year Aaron Rodgers was the MVP of the league, the two-time yeah. back-to-back MVP of the league with Devontae Adams at wide receiver. Then they trade Devontae Adams to Vegas and look what happened to Aaron Rodgers. Did Aaron, so Aaron Rodgers might be regressing. Maybe Aaron Rodgers doesn't care. Maybe Aaron Rodgers yeah, isn't happy. Yeah, I'm with Paul on this one. I think he's just checked out. Now, look, Maybe is he checked he is. out because they traded the wide receiver? That probably has something to do with it. That's what I'm saying. I'm saying but, that this is whether no matter what excuse you want to use for why Aaron Rodgers is playing poorly, all of it lines up with the fact that he is disgruntled because he doesn't have the weapons and he's not producing because he doesn't have the weapons, right? right. Like no matter what way you slice it, it all comes down to that. So ultimately, I, I think the point that I we have seen across the whole NFL is that we are getting to a point now in this league where. There are not, and you know I'm a running backs don't matter guy, Alex. So I'm yeah. going to take it a step further. We're getting a point in an, into a point in this league right now where I want to say it. Make this. I want to be very careful how I say, say it. There are only certain quarterbacks that matter. Okay, there are only certain quarterbacks that matter. I think Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes. Those guys. I mean, look at Patrick Mahomes. You take Tyreek Hill off the team, and he's still got the number one offense in the league. Doesn't right. doesn't matter because he's so good. He, that doesn't matter. I think Josh Allen has maybe gotten to that point. I still would like to see what Josh Allen looks like without Diggs. I think that's a very good point that not a lot of people are talking about. But but I I, I think you know, like, I give Josh Allen the credit. His pa- I think it's in the last month. I don't know if it's the last two games, three games, whatever. The last multiple games, his passer rating when targeting Diggs is up over 100. When he targets everybody else, it's under 40. Yeah. Like, Diggs. Stephon Diggs has not gotten nearly enough credit for the turnaround in Buffalo. Sure. And so I, I think that I still think Josh Allen is one of those guys. All I, you're saying, Evan, all you're saying is Jimmy's and Joe's, not X's and O's. That's basically what you're saying. I'm just saying that a lot of quarterbacks are, if you, like you were saying, why year three or after year three, you want to know if can this guy play in the league or not. A lot of these. Well, no, you want to know that by year one. By year three, it's do we want to move forward around sure. this guy? Do we want to build around this guy? A lot of guys that we can honestly say this dude can play in the league at that position yeah if you put him on a souped up offense he's gonna look fine yeah and and i think i go back you know you can go back years you can go back to 2019 jimmy garoppolo right when you put him with george kittle and you put him with debo and you put him with garoppolo now you put him with raheem mostert in the backfield with a great offensive line with a great scheme with a great play designer and even jimmy garoppolo now jimmy garoppolo back in 2019 can get you there I, I think that there is a bottom line, right? There's like a there's a floor that it needs to be above. You need to be above Jimmy Garoppolo, the Jimmy Garoppolo, the Jared Goffs of the world. Like that's why those teams upgraded at quarterback or tried to at least in right. the 49ers case, is because they, you have to be above that line. But you can 
have a quarterback who's not not the truck, who's not the driving force of your offense if the rest of the offense is really good. And I think in a lot of places, they have decided that it's easier to fill in the other pieces than it is to fill in the quarterback spot because there's only – those guys don't grow on trees, right? right. Josh so, Allen's is and Patrick Mahomes' is don't grow on trees. It's easier to find the other guys sometimes. I've been trying to tell you this for three years, Evan, and I'm very glad I to know. finally hear you say this because I said I wrote this – in this, in probably no, it was after Brady left. So it would have been March 2020. I wrote this in March 2020 as the world was crumbling down. That the era of the quarterback in the NFL, the quarterback-driven era, the Brady, Rogers, Breeze, Manning, that era was coming to an end because the NFL is a copycat league. We all know that. I'm not breaking any news here with that. But what what happened? The trend was teams saw Brady. And then they saw Breeze, and then they saw Rodgers, and it was basically this, hey, it would be cool if we had one of those guys, right? But then what happens is, for every Aaron Rodgers, you get 20, I don't know, Kirk Cousins, right? right? Or, or not even Kirk Cousins, because he's Cousins a capable guy. Kirk Cousins is 6-1 right now. Yeah, I, I should have thought, who, no, give but, me, but just, give me Cousins, a bust, give me a, just give me a bust, give me a bust. Jake Locker. Jake Locker. Well, he retired early. I used to use him. I try not to use him. Jake Locker. Uh, Jake Locker. Christian for, Ponder. Can stick Christian Ponder, Vikings. that's perfect, because similar yeah. kind of player. Right. Um, For every Aaron Rodgers, you get 20 Christian Ponders. And I, I think the belief in the league for years, like decades, almost two decades, was, well, you know what? It's worth striking out, trying to find that guy because if we do hit gold, the upside is enormous. And like three or four teams hit gold, and that's it. And then what happened was, for every Patrick Mahomes, there's 10 Mitchell Trubisky's. For every Josh Allen, there there's 10 or 20 Zach Wilson's. And yeah. I think what teams kind of start to realize is, hey, the risk-reward here, unless we are 100% sure, unless we are picking in the top five whatever the draft, it's not worth it. You, you can much more reliably... Add a good good tackle. You build a good offensive line, good wide receivers, get a do- build up a dominant defense. And when you have all that in place, the room, the margin for error in picking your quarterback is significantly less. You just need to plug in a guy, Evan. You know what term I'm going to use? It's my favorite term when we talk about quarterbacks: a net neutral quarterback. If you instead of exhausting yeah. the however many assets, Point right? Card. You need a distributor. Instead of trading, you know, four first-round picks and all of this to get the guy who may or may not be the quarterback, you put all those assets into the rest of your roster, you build it up, and then you just get a quarterback who won't mess up, a guy who won't make you worse. He doesn't necessarily need to make you better. It's what the Niners did. The Titans got very close on that model. The Bills, before Josh, Josh Allen really took off, that's kind of what they were building to. This is the new model in the NFL. We are out of the quarterback-driven era. Look, there's always going to be guys like Patrick Mahomes who just tear the league up. But the difference is teams are going to sell the farm less to get a shot at one of those guys because they are going to spread those assets out and build up the rest of the roster. Yeah, and I think that that needs to be the approach here. I think that— Here being the Patriots? Yes. I think that needs to be the approach. I, I, I know he's turned the ball over a lot. We've talked about kind of what they've done around him with the offense. I think Mac can, at the very least, be a net neutral quarterback. That's what he was for all of last year outside of the Buffalo games. He was net neutral or better. I think he can be the net neutral guy in that system. Yeah, and I think for a guy like Tua, which was kind of my point, is that I think that Tua sees the field well and knows 
where to distribute the football, but he's not the playmaker in that offense, right? right. He's the distributor. He's the point guard. I'm going to cross sports. I know we don't we don't like to do this I on, I, on your station. I don't care. Tua is, is like Rajon Rondo, right? Like he's just standing out at the top of the key. Ray Allen's coming off a pick over here. Paul Pierce is setting up on the elbow over there, and he's just getting them the ball in the places that they do do their thing, right? And then he's yeah. getting out of the way. That he is getting out of the way of Mike McDaniel's scheme, Tyreek Hill, and he is allowing the engine, the 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 foundation to do the work. And to his credit, he's doing a great job of it, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, you know what's a big part of that? His interception percentage has been cut in half from last year. It's not It's not a mistake that guys that don't have to... Force the ball. Force the ball, right. The guys yeah. that don't have to force the issue because they don't have excellent playmakers, they don't have excellent scheme, turn the ball over less. That's not, that's not a coincidence. All right, now... We've talked a lot about the big picture. I want to get into the nitty-gritty of Mac Jones' performance on Sunday. There, there's been a lot of reactions to how he played on Sunday. I was right there with everybody. After the game on Sunday, during the game on Sunday, I wrote in my game observations piece that both teams, both the Jets and the Patriots, have big-time questions about their future uh, at the quarterback. The Jets' questions are much bigger. After watching the tape, after digesting it a little bit and watching the film – I've come back towards the middle with Mac Jones. I, I, I think that saying he played well on Sunday is a little bit of a stretch for me. I wouldn't say he necessarily played well. But like I said on Unfiltered, I think he survived the game in a lot of instances. And I think he made some plays early on in the game on third down that were really key to them not falling behind by too much that they couldn't get back in the game, right? If he doesn't make the third down scrambles, the two scrambles that he had, if he doesn't make the throw to Jacoby Myers over the middle on the crosser, if he doesn't hit Ramondre on the angle route out of the backfield, they go. They went in a stretch there. They went six for eight on third down. They kept the yep. offense on the field. They moved the football a little bit, and they allowed the defense to find its footing and allowed water to find its level with Zach Wilson. And then they ran away with it a little bit there after that. So I think that in a lot of ways, uh, this is why the coaching staff has been so high on Mac Jones's performance on Sunday is because he did what they wanted him to do in that game. And just like Joe judge said, it's not necessarily the stuff that goes on the ESPN highlight reels, but I don't really think the people down in uh, football ops, here at Gillette Stadium give a crap about the ESPN highlight reels. Right. They only care about wins and losses. And whether or not that matters and we get into the discourse of, okay, well, let's look at the big picture and are they going to be able to beat Buffalo and are they going to be able to be – they're just thinking about the Colts, right? Like right. They, they're not caught up in, oh, okay, you know, maybe in the offseason, maybe at times they get into that a little bit. But I, I think for the most part they're kind of thinking week to week, game to game. So in that respect, I thought Mac Jones – managed the game well and he survived one of the worst offensive line performances i have seen for the patriots in quite some it's time not good i would say that to off the top of my head uh, that afc championship game in denver right like that right. one was brady was under siege well for let's four just quarters. do this we've both covered the team since 2018 yeah so like and actually watching that i struggle to remember one that was that bad yeah the line was like collectively was bad. i can remember individual performances that stood out but collectively five across i don't remember the last time i don't know that there's a time it looked like that as long as i've been covering the team you're right so he survived pressure and i would also mention that with surviving the pressure they didn't do a ton of things to 
protect him more than just putting five guys in the protection. And I think a big reason why is that they are playing a zone coverage team. And if you're just putting two or three guys in the route against a zone coverage team, you're just not going to get many guys open down the field, right? Because you're going to have six, seven guys back in coverage against three routes. It's just not a lot of distribution to right. get guys open. So I think they looked at it and they were like, all right, we're going to have to be a little bit shotgun heavy in this game. We were gonna, they went empty a decent amount actually yeah. in the game as well. And they put it all on Mac to just get the ball out and figure out how to handle and, and survive in that pressure cooker. And he did okay with it. Now, the, the things that I nitpicked him on, I more was nitpicking the coaching and the play calling on the interception that counted. I was talking about it uh, just now, too, on Unfiltered. I mean, also the pass blocking. He got hit. Right. Yes, of course. And the pass protection. But from a coaching standpoint, it dry, it, that play drove me nuts because you're getting down the field all game long by digging and dunking. Like you're you're throwing right. at the sticks or or in front of the sticks. You're you know throwing to angle routes to Ramondre Stevenson. You're you're calling plays to get Jacoby Myers you know blocking on a third down and, and get him up the sideline. You're dumping it off to Johnu Smith and letting him uh, carry the football across the line to gain like he can. And you're doing all these things to manage the situation and understand who you're playing. Then on third and nine from about midfield. You dial up a double move to Kendrick Bourne. You do chip, right? You at least did that. Nelson Aguilar chips the end. It's not enough because Marcus Cannon still gets beat. But you're basically calling up a play on third and nine that takes at least three seconds to hit. Like, you need three seconds to hit on that play. And they just don't have the offensive line play right now to dial up these shots. So that was the one time where I thought the game got away from them a little bit just in terms of play calling, protection, quarterback situation, and, and just kind of understanding what the, what they were capable of doing against the Jets' defense. That was the one time I thought it it slipped away. I had him for two sacks that I thought he had openings down the field, not necessarily for big plays or anything like that, but you know he missed Kendrick Bourne on like a quick game concept. He, I think there were some check downs that maybe he could have gotten the ball to on the other one where he didn't have to take a sack necessarily Let, let me on ask play. you for this one, because I, I keep going back and forth when I watch the play. It was early in the game they're in the red zone it's a I believe it's a first and goal and he drops back it's pretty well covered the Jets kind of drop everybody back into the end zone he has Nelson Aguilar coming across at about the four right and there's there's two there's two linebackers kind of around him but there's a window there for him to just catch and get like he's not going to run after the catch do you know what I'm talking about I think so. Like I, I keep I, going I don't back remember and, the actual the full details. But. I keep going back and forth on on that one whether or not. But you know, you talk about. I think the biggest thing with Mac. One of the biggest things with Mac from last season to this season. How many times did we hear him talk about last year? Just take a profit, right? Yeah. When it was early in the season, and believe it or not, like this time last year, the conversation was Max refusing to throw the ball deep. Isn't that nuts? Yeah. Right. Remember that world. Um, Come a long way. Mac basically has answered all those questions. Was. Sometimes you got to take a profit when the defense lets you. And it feels like he's gone the complete other, and I don't know if this is him, whether it's coaching, whether it's whatever. It feels like there's been a complete 180 on that yeah. this year where he's not taking a profit when it's there and instead continuing to look down the field. That was one spot where that stood out. I thought he did a better job of it in this game. There was a, a throw underneath to Damian Harris that, you know, he I think he kind of felt the pressure and just got it out and picked up whatever it was, three yards on first down. That was good. Um, plays like that, but it's it, it's the taking a profit thing with him that I'm really interested to see how it develops down the stretch here. Yeah, I think he did a better job of this in the, of that in this game. I also think that after 
the tipped interception, the coaching staff stopped calling the downfield shots pretty much, right? They were just kind of like, all right, this is not the game for this. Like, we just don't have the protection right now, and this is just not the situation for this game. This game, we just kind of need to get out of here without turning the ball over, uh, get the points that we can get, and make Zach Wilson win the game, right? And and I think they kind of got back into that after that one uh, play. So I I think that taking the profit stuff is a really fair point. I I do think that there are some instances where he's holding the ball a little bit longer than he probably should. But I also think that from a big picture to go back to like our opening here and then we can move on. I I think that from a big picture standpoint, the nitpicking and the, I I guess just the expectations uh, right now are astronomically high for this guy and I, I think at some point we have to recognize put it all in context right which is what I was right. trying to do off the top which is play calling coaching uh, playmakers offensive line, offensive play, line play the whole yeah. situation around him and, and also remember that you know at the end of the day he is only 23 starts into his career and i think yep. a lot of people think that 23 starts in we should know exactly who he is and we should he should be taking that next step and it doesn't always happen like that it's it, next year that's 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 the conversation we have this time next year right so i there, there's the mac uh, 30 minutes that we have to do every show now yep. it feels like but uh, i mean he is the quarterback i, I do want to make sure that we get to the nitty gritty of how i thought he played and how you thought he played which was i thought he played fine and I think people here are fine, and they're like, "Oh, you gave you're giving him a passing grade." Uh, I would give him a passing grade. Uh, I would give him like a C or C minus, eh. right? Like he eh. he's fine. That's not saying that he that he's an A plus, right? It's and very, you want him to be better than fine too. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Like, I think he showed progress in that game, which is great. And you always want to see him showing progress, but and, and this isn't just a him thing. There's a lot of circumstances that lead into this. The fact that it's week eight and we're sitting here saying, yeah, he's making progress like in week eight kind of hurts a little bit. And look, he missed time, right? He had an injury. So it's it's not entirely like, oh, hey, he hasn't made any progress up until this point. But it's just the entire process between the injury, going back to the summer and the different offensive systems. It just it all feels a little delayed. Yeah. And it does feel so much different than it did when I was leaving MetLife Stadium on Sunday afternoon. I really thought that he played terribly. I, I buried him. You know, I said uh, the fourth down play, I, well, he missed Hunter Henry in the flat. Uh, the, you know, the interception, I, I thought he could have gotten the ball uh, out to the check downs underneath. You know, he had the crossing yeah. routes underneath. I, I would have thrown the ball there at, at that situation. Just, you know, being mindful of the fact that Marcus Cannon is one-on-one on your right side, right? Like right. understanding as a quarterback, your internal clock. Like I thought he in that game, I, I thought that the sack numbers were – on the quarterback a little bit, right? right he took right. six sacks, and, and sometimes it's on the quarterback because he holds the football for too long. And I still think some of that is is valid, but I, I think I came back a little bit more down to earth and wasn't quite as – or back up to earth, I guess, because yeah. I was down low, right? Uh, back I, to level. I, I wasn't quite as um, upset or uh, quite as reactionary to how he played. Uh, I do want to talk about the offensive line, though, and I promise we'll get uh, to the calls here on, on the call screen in a second. I do want to talk about the offensive line because this, to me right now, uh, way the quarterback's going to get the headlines. The quarterback is always going to get the headlines, and we're going to talk about the quarterback longer than we're going to talk about the line. But on this show, we talk about the line, and we're, we're making sure that we're hitting this because anything more – like this is the biggest problem with the team right now. Yep. Flat out. This is the biggest problem with the team right now. Now, 
I think a lot of the interior issues, like what we saw from Cole Strange and obviously James Ferentz, just his play in a vacuum, gets fixed when David Andrews comes back. But unfortunately, we were out at practice a couple of hours ago and David Andrews wasn't there. So David Andrews isn't coming back uh, this week, at least as of right now, based off of what we know. He could still practice on Thursday and Friday and play on Sunday, certainly. But as of what we know right now, he's still in concussion protocol. So he's still got a little bit of ways to go. So David Andrews' absence impacted two positions, right? Because it made Cold Strange worse and James Ferentz is a drop-off at center, just on his own. And right tackle is the biggest hole on this team right now. They have major, major issues at right tackle. Now, we were out of practice. We saw Isaiah win a little bit at guard in some of the walkthrough stuff that they were doing. Maybe that's a possibility that he that he plays guard a little bit more um, in this game coming up. Uh, maybe they kick Mike Onwenu back outside. Like Maybe that's what they're thinking. I don't know. But they have to figure out a way to stabilize right tackle. What do you think is the best path forward? Because, again, I think center and guard, left guard, will fix itself with David Andrews yeah. coming back or at least be acceptable, like what it was for most of the season. But what – do you do a tackle because right tackle right now is a major, major issue for this team. I, so what I would do is move Michael and Weno out there. And yeah. I, I know that he's talked about how helpful it's been to his development this year to not be changing positions, which he did a lot the first years. He's talked about that. I know he's talked, you know, they've talked about how nice it is to kind of have him in that spot, his development, all that. He's been good at right guard. He's been very good, but he's a very, very good right tackle as well. And just philosophically, I would rather have to cover up an issue at guard than tackle. I think it's easier to cover up an issue at guard than tackle. I don't know what they do at right guard in that scenario, right? I don't really think James Ferentz is a right guard in their system. You're not going to move Cole Strange over there. You're not going to put Isaiah Wynn in there. If Chasen Hines wasn't on IR, I'd say throw Chasen Hines in there at right guard. Maybe when he's back from IR, it's something they can consider. But now it's December and you're moving pieces on the offensive line. So I don't know. Um, so maybe that's why maybe that's why they're not doing it because they don't have the guard to 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 fill in that spot. Besides that, I think you have to give Yanni Kajust a look. Me too. At this point, I know he was a DNP last week. I wonder if they just wanted to get him back out there at practice and they had the spot to activate him, and maybe he just kind of needed a week right to get back into game shape here. But I think you have to give him a look. He did flash at times over the summer. If it's not him, I think you just have to ride with Marcus Cannon and whether it's leaving six in the protection at a higher rate or whatever it is, using more plays that involve chips and and things like that, you're just going to have to make two at that point. And there's things they can do with the play calling that I think will help with that, right? Whether it's it's more play action, some of the RPO stuff that they, it it looked like they broke out a little more last week, but yeah, I'd go with Kajust and then if it's not him, you just, you have to improvise because I think, Isaiah Wynn just what is it three times in four weeks now he hasn't finished a game and then he was inactive for another so he doesn't seem to be the answer I like Marcus Cannon better right now just because I mean he's going to give you what he's going to give you right runs block run blocks and and he's just more consistent I think being able to you can plan around consistency right consistent I'm not going to say it no but (laughs) I'm not going to say it but at least you know what you're going to get. You can plan around that instead yeah. of Isaiah Wynn, who's been very volatile over there, right? Like, some plays he's fine, and then in another right. play, he doesn't even get his That's hands fair. on the guy. I'll say this. At least Marcus Cannon, has he been finishing blocks in the passing game? No, but he's gotten his hands on the guy for the most part on he every route. He eight hurries on Sunday. Yeah, but he's at least getting his hands on the guy. I think that's the highest I've seen in a game for a tackle in a long time. 
eight hurries, it's not good. So I, I don't know. Is there a stat? He can't. The problem with him is that his foot speed was never elite. Like he was a guard right. playing tackle to begin with, and now that he's older, his foot speed has regressed even more to the point where he can't get out to his landmark on his but corner. Let me ask you this: Like, how many times did he allow a guy in the backfield in under two seconds? I mean, the the play where he got uh, the interception, I timed it twice. I think it was like 2.8, 2.9 seconds. So, but that's, you can work around that. With Isaiah Wynn, there's been multiple times this year where it's under two seconds the guy gets in there. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing that you see with Cannon, like I said, is that his foot speed has declined to the point now where he can't get out to his landmark to protect his edge. So what he's doing instead is overcompensating, right? right. He's getting out of his stance and he's overcompensating to get out to the edge, so now he's getting beat inside. So now he's getting beat both ways, right? Because if you if you just play it straight up, he's getting beat around the corner. And right. if he overcompensates, and he's getting beaten inside, and so he's just getting beaten everywhere. And ultimately, I I think he at this stage of his career is the sixth offensive lineman, right? Like he's the tackle eligible. You bring him in on rundowns. You get him to be able to double team and things like that at the point of attack. And he can still come off the ball and run block people and move people in on the line of scrimmage. That I think he can still do at this stage of his career. He just can't pass protect. So to me, Yanni Kajus is your, it's got to get a, a chance he's got to get a look yeah. he's got to get a look uh, maybe they just give him that look in practice and we never actually see it if it's bad right like I I, I don't know but he's got to get a look somewhere and with Isaiah Wynn it's really it's it's been a disappointing kind of nosedive for Isaiah Wynn because he's he's a talented guy he's talent is not an issue with that guy right it's commitment it's like being locked in right, right. it's it's effort his effort on Sunday, and I hate calling out effort, but his effort on Sunday was not good. It just bla- it blatantly wasn't good. I mean, there the very I, I sent you the clip, the very first pass set of the game that he has yeah. at right tackle gets walked into Mac Jones in like two point four seconds, right into his lap. He's just got Isaiah win right in his lap, and I'm like. Look, John Franklin Myers is a good rusher, all right? And he gets into that frog stance, that four-point stance, and he gets right into his pads, and he walks him back on the bull rush, and, like, it's a good player. But, like, I got to have some sort of anchor. Like, at some point, you got to drop the anchor. And and he just went right on skates, right into Mac Jones. You can't have reps like that. So their best bet their best five involves Isaiah Wynn from a talent standpoint but at this point I I've written him off because I just don't think the effort is there and I don't think you're going to get the effort from him I don't think they're going to give him a contract that's not going to make him happy anyways because he's making 10 million dollars a year this year so it's not money right maybe it's the position change but ultimately it's like all right dude like we're eight games into the season at this point so some point you got to get over it that they switch you to right tackle so I I think Yanni Kajus has got to see a look I think Marcus Cannon's ultimately what they're going to have to roll with and, and live with it, like you said. Now, the last thing I want to say on this, and then uh, some of these cars have been waiting around for a while, so we'll get to them. If you look at offenses around the league uh, in years past, and I'm not saying the Patriots haven't necessarily started to do this a little bit more because I think they did against the Jets on Sunday. I think I'll go back to Miami because I think it's a good example. They've had really bad offensive line play for a while in Miami. It's gotten much better this year. It's a big reason why they've turned their passing game around. But just in general, they've had bad offensive line play for a while. So what do they do? They never threw the ball downfield, right? They never asked Tua to drop back and hold the ball for three seconds and hit a double move 
frequently. Like they would do it like once or twice a game. Right. right? And the other thing, and this is why I get so giddy about it is Miami's always been a huge RPO team, right? Always, yep. even before Mike McDaniel got there. So the Patriots finally called 13 RPOs on Sunday, and they get in the second half especially. They came out. The first driver, Mondre, goes for 35 yards, and that puts the drive into scoring range. They didn't need it. Uh, they did run one RPO. I shouldn't say they didn't need it. Uh, they won, ran one RPO on that play that gained nine yards on a screen to Jacoby Myers that got them into that position to score that touchdown. Yep. So they did run one at least. But then on that next drive when they got it, the field goal, they – then that was like a, a 25, 30 yard drive where they they had to drive a little bit into field goal range. It wasn't one of the drives where they got the ball already uh, on Jet, in Jets territory. Uh, it was all RPO. It was like six or seven of them in a row, and that's great for a line that that's struggling, right? Because yeah. the ball's coming out quickly. You're getting a numbers advantage in the box to help them in the running game and lightening the box, and you're allowing the you're it's it's like an offensive line proof play as long right. as they don't get called for a legal man down the field. Like that's like the only thing that they could do wrong in that situation is usually more on the quarterback than on the line. I mean, they're just kind of executing their assignment, right. right? And it's good for you mentioned the offensive line. It's good for a guy who's comfortable in that situation. Mac Jones ran a ton of RPOs at Alabama. Right. So did Tua. That's why it's it's such a big play there. And by the way, in Philly as well, I know Jalen Hurts is technically an Oklahoma quarterback, but four they, years at Alabama, one year with the Sooners. He, so. The Sooners under under Lincoln. And yeah, they run a ton of them too. too. Yeah. yeah. So um, love seeing that become a part of the offense. And one more thing. I, I meant to bring this up when we did the big picture thing with the quarterbacks, right? Yeah. About Remember when the Patriots drafted Mac and one of the big knocks was Alabama quarterbacks never work out? And Are you taking an Alabama? No, I'm not. I'm not. Right I'm now? saying. I'm saying with Tua took a couple years. Yes. With Jalen Hurts, it took a couple years. Sure. Right. Mac was Max the last guy of that group, and then we'll see what happens with Bryce Young next year. But um, all right, a little victory lap because remember I said at the time it's different. They changed their offense a couple years ago, right? When yeah, when Bryce Young came in, but you kind of see how these quarterbacks from that offense adapt to the modern game. Max about where Tour Jalen Hurts were, what, a year ago? That's my point. So, That's my um, point. That's all my yeah. point is. My point is not to sit here Your and point say, is my victory lap. Yeah. My point is not to sit here and say that Mac Jones is this elite quarterback that they're holding back. My point isn't to say that Mac Jones is free of blame for the things that are going wrong. Right. My point is, is that if you put him in a more functional situation, he will play better. Shocker. It's really not revelation. Crazy. It's really not we really get into the nitty-gritty on this show, folks. All right. Sean in Vancouver, what do you got, Sean? Sean. Hey, let me take you off speakerphone. Sorry. Uh, you're, you're good. Enjoying that? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, all this doom and gloom this week, it, it, it kind of, like, it confuses me a bit. I, maybe it's because I'm an old, long, you know, lifelong Patriots fan. Or uh, I don't have huge expectations for this team. I was thinking nine wins uh, before it started. But with, with this week, the way I feel, it's it just summed up this way. You know, when you're down and you're feeling low and your team seems to blow, what you need is to play the Jets and beat, once again, beat your foe. That's, that's, that's the way I see it. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for the call. So this is a good segue because I did want to talk a little bit about Zach Wilson and the Jets and, and right. what kind of happened on Sunday with that. So I, I was, I was going to watch this tape and I, I was hoping Alex, uh, not hoping for the Patriots' sake. I was kind of hoping for Zach Wilson's sake, honestly. And they did like something super exotic that that they actually 
respected Zach Wilson where they said, okay, because yeah. this happened with Josh Allen. Eventually Bill Belichick got to the point where he was like, I can't just play him straight up anymore. Right. Right. Like I have to start doing some different things. We have to disguise on the back end. We have to draw up some different pressures. And the Patriots ran some of those replacement pressures that I broke down and after further review where they drop rushers off the line into coverage and they blitz coverage guys right like they blitz guys from the second level or they blitz safeties and they're dropping edges off and they're confusing the protection a little bit like that that's not necessarily about zach wilson that's just confusing the offensive line right it's attacking the offensive line they really all three of his interceptions in this game the one came against the blitz right that was like the one uh the juan bentley pick was a blitz yeah the rest of them he just threw it to the Patriots. And I'm not saying that to be like, oh, like, you know, the Patriots defense isn't actually that good or anything like that. I'm just saying that he's not good. He's not good. And for all the Patriots fans that are freaking out about Mac Jones, just look at that guy. Because the thing about Mac Jones, he's shown he can do it. Maybe not this year, right. but he's played at an NFL level. Has Zach Wilson ever been an NFL quarterback? And I think there were time. I think there have been no, games. No, if you have to, briefly, if, if, briefly no. in this winning, if it's briefly then no, if it's briefly then no. He wasn't. Ter- See, the thing is, is like everybody's like, oh, look at his interception numbers up until Patri- the Patriots game. They're down. PFF tracks turnover worthy plays, which like everybody should pay attention to because that accounts for dropped interceptions or fumbles yeah. that are covered by yourself, you know, by by you know the offense and things like that that are really turnover worthy plays, but don't count as turnovers. He was still up near the top of the league in those. He was getting right. lucky, is what yeah, happened. Yeah, he's and and I'll say this, and I know you guys were talking about this unfiltered or on unfiltered earlier, and I'm actually going to disagree with the point. I don't remember who made it. I actually think Zach Wilson's in a pretty good spot. I think Robert Sala knows what he's doing. Lafleur's a good coach. They've got talent around him. Now, look, they didn't have Corey Davis on the field, but Garrett Wilson can clearly play. Uh, I think Tyler Conklin's a little underrated. Their offensive line isn't terrible. They've obviously got a good defense. It's going to put him in good spots. Um, He's not in the worst situation of any quarterback, right? No. I would argue that he's in a better situation than Justin Fields, for instance. Yeah, I mean, I think they've turned it around the last two weeks with Justin Fields, and they finally, finally Finally, put put the design quarterback runs in, and that's helped, yeah. Even when it wasn't, Fields was still playing better than him. So, yeah. He's just not good, and I, I will give the Patriots. Here's why I give the Patriots defense credit on those interceptions. Like you said, he kind of threw it right to him. You know, it's not like they were being that exotic in the secondary. But what the Patriots defense did specifically up front that killed them in the Bears game, and it was a total 180. Was a lot of what what hurt them against the Bears was guys were being way too aggressive yeah. going after the quarterback, over pursuing, overextending, creating all these rush lanes behind them allowing Justin Fields to get out into space, create with his legs. Now, Wilson's not quite the runner that Fields is, but he can move around a little bit if you give him the opportunity. That's what he wants to do. Right. Instead of over-pursuing and being too aggressive and chasing him, they sort of just hemmed him in. It really felt like what the pass rush was doing was just kind of boxing him into the sideline yeah. and then daring him to make a decision. Absolutely. Right? And, it, that's a great way of putting it. And, and it was it was really well done. Right. And that's yeah. how they coach it. That's how they want their defense to operate. That's how Bill Belichick has always wanted his defense to operate, right? They had two sacks in garbage time which in whatever. Like, sacks are good, but their whole philosophy is a sack is just as good as an incompletion, right? right. Because the offense isn't going anywhere. So they really got away from that in the Bears game. It was maybe a bigger issue in that game than anything else. It was nice to see them get back to that, especially because now they've got Sam Ellinger, who's going to run around a little bit. They'll face yeah. Wilson again, and then they get into Josh Kyler. Allen. Kyler. Yeah. They they need to be disciplined when they're rushing the passer. And, and 
all of those guys, Matthew Judon, uh, Daniel Aquale, especially, I thought Dietrich Weiss was fantastic in this game. Showed up in the stat sheet with one tackle and a pass deflection. That was it. But he was excellent. Yeah. All of those guys did a much... Eight hurries in this game. All of those guys did a much better job. That's exactly it. Like, they only had two sacks and two quarterback knockdowns, but there was somebody with their hands in in Zach Wilson's face throughout that entire game. And that's what their philosophy is when it comes to rushing the passer. So I thought that... and one more name that you didn't mention there, Josh Uche yeah. had one of his better games as a Patriot, in my opinion, in this was game. Good. A big reason why is, remember a couple of weeks ago, I think it was like a month ago now, I don't know, these weeks were starting to blur together. Dude, it's crazy. It was mid-July and we showed up for the first yeah. day of camp and then I blinked and now it's like almost the bye week. Yeah, so Matthew Judon said that they had plays, pass rushes designed to just get give him a green light and he just goes. Right. Right. So they had a couple of those in there on Sunday, and the guy that was what you would call making him right, right? Yeah. Was Josh Uche. Right. So what Judon would do is Judon's got a two way go. He can go inside, he can go outside. He's just getting to the quarterback, however, he wants to get to the quarterback. And what Josh Uche is doing is he's kind of spying, right? He's standing there waiting for Judon to make his move. If Judon goes outside, then Uche is going to stay inside and keep the pocket closed. If. Judon goes inside, then Uche goes outside to close the pocket in that direction, right? So he's just going to make him right. No matter what Judon does, he's going to make him right. And I thought uh, Uche did a great job in this game of doing just that. There was one play in particular in the red zone, third down red zone, which are big key plays, right? Four-point plays, as Michael Lombardi calls them. Matthew Judon had to go. He had a green light, just go after Zach Wilson. He pressured Zach Wilson, but he didn't get him down. And Zach Wilson tried to roll to his left, and Uche was standing right there waiting for him. And that made Zach Wilson, like you said, make a decision. He had to throw the football. He wasn't going to run around Uche, so he had to throw the football. And that was really a well done, well, like you said, just laid it out perfectly, well-contained pass rush. Like, they got pressure on Wilson. He wasn't just standing there with all day to throw, but they were also able to make it so that he wasn't killing them with with his legs. And I, I think that hopefully moving forward because like you said you just rattled it off josh allen kyler murray like they're gonna play some more mobile quarterbacks here down the stretch even a guy like ellinger uh who's uh we'll get to him in a second and how mobile he really is but uh even a guy like ellinger who who can run around a little bit this to me is the formula the formula is not the mush rush like we can punt the mush rush to the sun as far as i'm concerned yeah it doesn't work okay because it's too hard in the national football league to bull rush NFL offensive lineman into the quarterback on every drop back. It's just despite what it looked like with the jets. It's just, it's just, well, it's just too hard, right? Right. Like you're not going to do it consistently enough to really have a huge impact on the game. And there's too many instances. There's too many dropbacks where the quarterback just has all day to throw. Right. Because the, the, the mush rush, the star Wars trash compactor, like it just doesn't work. So what I think is the way that they should go is what they did on Sunday, which is Judon. Don't worry about containing the quarterback. Right? Like, just go. Just go after him and get in Zach Wilson's face and get seven hurries like you did. Dietrich Wise, get your eight hurries like you did. And we're going to take Uche. We're going to take some of our athletic guys like Uche. Uh, Maybe it's uh, Mac Wilson a couple times was was the spy uh, in man coverage as well. So maybe he factors into this as well. And those two guys are going to basically be de facto spies. And we're going to let our pass rushers get after the quarterback. So now we have pressure and we have containment. 
I think that that's the way that they have to go moving forward, and it's going to pay. Uh, hopefully, that that's they saw it on Sunday. They're like, this is the formula now, right? Right. Like, let's fire that trash compactor into the sun. All right, Todd in North Carolina. Thanks for hanging on, Todd. How you doing, Todd? Todd, you there? Todd, going once, going twice. I'll put him on hold. If he he comes back, we can uh, we can get him back here. Uh, Patty in Agawam. Patty, thanks for hanging on. How you doing? No problem. What's up, guys? Hey. Uh, so I'm going to give these guys three what-if scenarios. And what do you think this? What do you think the direction Bill's going to go in this offseason? I'm not saying the season's over. I'm just I'd like to pick your guys' brain. So scenario one, they stick with Mac Jones and it's status quo. Scenario number two, they actually go out and mortgage some uh, some of their future picks and get that guy. And whoever that guy is, I don't know who the hell it is, because if you look at the 23 and 24 free agent class of wide receivers, it's, it's crap. Or scenario number four, I'm sorry, scenario number three, uh, they're, they're pretty much hunting for a new quarterback at the end of the season. Okay. I, I like this game, so we'll, we'll play along here, Patty. All right. So scenario number one is they stick with Mac Jones. Scenario number two is they actually trade for or, or acquire a, a wide receiver that we were talking about at the top of the show, uh, Tyree Kill and A.J. Brown uh, uh Stephon Diggs. Uh, scenario number three is restart, right? We're hitting the restart right. button at quarterback. I think that they're sticking with Mac for one more year. I think for two reasons. One, he's shown enough to me that he can be a competent NFL quarterback, and that's enough for now. I think number two, he's affordable. Right. So unless Bill Belichick, and this is sort of a topic for a different day because it's a long topic, unless Bill Belichick looks at it and is like, I have one more year left and I, I need to win this year, and this, right. I'm going all in on this year, we're pushing all the chips in this year, like maybe I could see them not drafting a rookie, because that wouldn't work, right? Like, I, right. Don't, I don't think Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud is great, as talented as I they are. I know who you're talking about, Evan. Say it. Uh, what do you mean? You, you're talking about going to get a veteran quarterback. I'm not ready for that yet. All right. Maybe, maybe soon. Uh, I could see that. I could see them pushing the chips all in for that. The free agency market, I've heard this yesterday because uh, I was saying, you know, year three is the year that you go all in and they're going to have yeah. some cap space and people are like, well, the free agency market stinks. I don't care. I, I actually don't think the free agency market matters. What I'm looking at is the trade market. Right. What wide receiver? May, you mentioned Justin Jefferson. Maybe he gets disgruntled in Minnesota, even though they're six and one. I don't know if he will. Um, what wide receiver? I mean, what was Tennessee last year, and they had to trade AJ, AJ Brown, Brown for right. the contract? I think it's beyond that. What wide receiver comes available because of contract? Because he's disgruntled? Like whatever the case may be. It happens every offseason. Like, Devontae Adams, you have to take him off the board because he just wanted to go right. to Vegas. Well, here, do you want it? So, last year was the 2019 wide right, right, receiver so who, class, right? right? So, that was all over the, the board. Last year, the deal. Good. So, 2020, um, first guy's not in the league anymore. Uh, Jerry Judy. Yep. Alabama Connection. Mac Jones. I don't think he played with Mac in a game, though. Not he? in a game, but they were there together. In practice. They were there. Okay. And, and you talk to guys who were there when Mac was the practice squad quarterback, and they were very impressed. So, yeah. Denver might be in a spot to sell. That team's and, – and look, if I'm him, Russell, everything that's going on with Russell Wilson, does he necessarily right. want to be there, right? I like Jerry Judy. Um, love Jerry. I'm a, you know I'm a I big know. Jerry Judy I know. fan. Jerry Rice, Judy. CeeDee Lamb? Dallas going to pay him. They probably are. You're right. You don't okay. trade Amari Cooper and then also get rid of CD. That's fair. Uh, Jalen Rieger. Never mind. Justin Jefferson. Brandon Ayuk. Is he – like the player, 
but is he just Nelson Aguilar, Kendrick Bourne, Jacoby Myers? Like, All is, right. is he better than those guys? That's like, fair. I think Judy is is. I don't think Judy is in that elite category, but I think he is better than what you and have. I, I think he can get there. He really, he's never had a quarterback. Yeah. He's never had a quarterback. He's, he, he runs great routes. That's for sure. He, yeah. Didn't you say he was the best route runner you'd seen to that point? To that studying? point. Yeah. yeah. Except Justin. Okay. Yeah. Um, T Higgins, same thing. He's kind of like that. He's like younger Devonte Parker. Yeah. Uh, so here's a guy I really like Michael Pittman. Yeah, I I don't he's fr- he scares me because of his profile. Like he's like six four with like a, a average forty. You okay. know what I mean? Like he's yeah. I don't want to say he's Nikhil because he's better, obviously, but yeah, it's the better. same similar profile. All right, uh, so then you're going to be out on Lavishka Chenault. Uh, yeah, no. KJ Hamler, Chase Claypool just got traded. Van yeah. Jefferson, Denzel Mims, Brian Edwards. Oh here, yeah, he's getting paid. Ah, uh, maybe not actually. Devin Duvernay fun player but he's got he's somebody that you need to know how to use him yeah they so who's yeah, the coordinator I've had enough of those guys <laughs> uh gabe davis is gonna get paid yeah so uh, so the names that you said there that i think are realistic the only one it really is judy oh i love it which i have no problem oh uh, there is okay he's not number one but there is one i, I kept scrolling there's one more kind of interesting name down here he's probably more like a Devonte parker type but donovan peoples jones okay not 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 moving the needle Okay, so Judy, I, I think, would, would be really, really – that's really possible, right? Like, that one makes a lot of sense. Uh, and honestly, I would take him over – I mean, Jefferson's not going. Uh, he'd probably be third on the list. I'd probably so go Justin Jefferson, Jefferson, Lamb, doesn't have then a new Judy. contract. Can we confirm that? I, I could have sworn that, that they were at least in advanced talks with him. Uh, does not look like – no, he has not gotten the new deal yet. Okay, so – doesn't mean he's not going to get one. But. Pie in the sky. We're dreaming. We're we're dreaming on a Wednesday afternoon. Obviously, Justin Jefferson is. I would give up the farm. You like, love Justin Jefferson. Love him. Love him coming out. Loved him now. Love him. Like there is not a lot of receivers in the league that I think fit better for what they need than Justin Jefferson. Okay. Fant- probably one of the best route runners in the league. Inside outside guy. Move him around. Play him anywhere you want. Great anywhere. Like all three levels explosive good with the ball in his hands like dynamite player doesn't dynamite. Jerry doesn't Jerry Judy fit the same profile yeah I, I think so I think yeah. Justin Jefferson's just better they're not but, gonna yeah but they're not gonna get him so Jerry Judy is an interesting one because that, you know you know why they're not gonna get him because the Vikings are gonna have a quarterback on a rookie deal very soon yeah the Vikings be able to afford the, I mean why would would you get rid of him I I, I just can't see it all right all right Spee all right Spee let's do it again what do you got <laughs> Uh, yeah, man, that was fun. I, I enjoyed it, and I, I absolutely do disagree with you guys hugely. But first, um, on the quarterback subject, but uh, first, the, the point where we agree is I, I'm, I do think way too small a sample size on Max so far. You got to let him go. I think you got to make up for the injury time. I want to see first couple games through the third season, maybe then render a final judgment. I, but I mean, everything else though, this whole net zero quarterback, Stafford, Brady, Mahomes. Manning, Russell Wilson, they're not net zero quarterbacks. Um, like, these are the, the, the winners are not net zeros. Um, I also think... Uh, Only one Evan, team wins kinda, Yeah. Evan, you kind of mis- mischaracterized what you were saying. You didn't say that Mac was going to just play better with better weapons. You said you, you were, your point was basically that he'd play as well as Tua with those weapons out there. And I think that arm strength matters. I think that Aaron Rodgers' apathy 
is part of the overall mosaic of the player. I think the quarterback position matters a lot. And I just don't understand, like, empirically speaking, for you guys, empirically speaking, because you guys like your data nerds, um, what, at what point do you think the quarterback position actually matters to the, the output of a game? I, no, I, I think I think the biggest thing with you and me, Spee, is that uh, we, we're not understanding each other. Okay, so okay. Uh, let me let me try to like lay it out as best as I can. Obviously, the quarterback position matters. Our my only point is is that I think the situation around the quarterback is pretty close to equaling mattering than the quarterback itself because it, it just there's so much proof. Okay, and like we can take the proof from here and we can look at 2019 and then look at what Brady produced in 2019 with the Patriots offense and this shape that it was in. And then he goes to Tampa in 2020 and he's got Mike Evans and he's got Chris Godwin. He's got Rob Gronkowski back and they win the Super Bowl. Okay. You can go with the examples that I gave to you earlier. All right. Like all the teams around like Miami, like Aaron Rodgers in green Bay, like Jalen hurts in Philadelphia. He gets a better coach on that side of the ball. He gets AJ Brown, now he's a top five MVP candidate. I think that the point that we're both trying to make and what I'm trying to make, because I want to speak for Alex, is that quarterbacks, very few quarterbacks are independent of their situation. Yeah, I think I, I completely agree with you in that regard. Like, but, but the way you just said it is so, so much softer than the way you have been saying it the rest of the day, in my opinion. Maybe I'm just not picking up on some of the nuances. I mean, yes. The disposition of the quarterback matters. The situation that he's playing in, it all matters. It just seems like, I, I, you see, it sounds like you're kind of borderline a Mac apologist at times, where I understand maybe you're trying to say, hey, pump the brakes, let's just see what he, how, he, how it all plays out with him. And at the same time, I kind of want to call, call a spade a spade. The guy doesn't have the downfield arm strength of a Tua, so if you put him in with those players, it's not going to look as good. And, and, and that's, it's a non-falsifiable claim. We can ne- we're never going to go to that alternate universe. To, uh, to actually test it, but it, it also is not like a claim that sounds off the wall or from method, you know? So first off, I'd say, I, 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 look, Mac doesn't have Patrick Mahomes' arm. I, I think people sleep on his arm. I think people who didn't watch him at Alabama sleep on his arm. He was throwing the ball down the field. Uh, as for Tua's arm strength, Tua's always had that, he had that going back to college. It was the hip injury that kind of derailed it for a couple years. I think people missed that element yeah. of it. As for the you know, the the relevance of the quarterback position. I think the point that a lot of people miss is if you take a quarterback and you put him in a bad situation, he's going to make the team look better. That might be true to some extent, but the reality is it's easier to build. I, I think the point, at least this is how I mean it, and it's it's from a team-building point of view, right? It's easier to build up a good situation and then find a quarterback to put in it than to find an elite quarterback that's going to pick up the rest of your situation. That's a, that's a really interesting debate because I mean, like to, to to support your point is like the Matt Stafford thing because I think right I think exactly. Jared Goff was, but Jared Goff was a net zero quarterback. Oh, I see. I don't think so. Yeah, I think Jared he Goff's was below worse. the net neutral line. I have him as below the net neutral okay. line. To be fair. All right. All right. Then then what do you, do you think Matt Stafford is net neutral to you then? Um, I think Ed, last year he was, last year he was. It, there were points in his career he was better. Uh, I think maybe slightly above net neutral. Um, but yeah, he wasn't a game breaker. You know, I he wasn't on that upper tier that like you know Dude, this is a guy. That's 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 interesting because I, I I don't see him that way. But let's just accept your operational definition of net neutral. 
if that if that's net neutral, I don't think Mac Jones is net neutral, even with the limited sample size stuff. I think Matt Stafford's a better quarterback. I think Mac Jones was net neutral last year. I don't think he's been this year, but I think he can be because I well, saw him that, be last year. But to, that's to your point. To your point, that's kind of a function of the system and the right. change in the offense that tried, as Evan has said, that tried to go in more of the Alabama downfield direction. And you know, it's kind of Mac. Be careful what you wish for. I, I agree with you guys like a lot because uh, in terms of looking at the situation, and I also completely agree with the way that Evan. I think revised his position earlier on the call just now when he said you kind of want to take a balanced view. I don't want to be imbalanced. I want, I want to take all this into account, but I don't want to like point to the situation so much that I, you know, I, I don't subject back to the appropriate criticisms when he's criticizable. I just don't. Uh, I he, guess, is, he is at fault for some of this, but right. what I would say is, is, there, is their offensive shift in philosophy not working solely because of Mac Jones? I would say no. Mac Jones struggles this year. I don't know that I put Mac Jones in the top three reasons Mac Jones has struggled this year. That's an interesting one. Top. Th- okay, I'll, I'll take it off. And I want to. Uh, speed. Uh, speed. One second. I want to ask you. I want. I want to ask you a question. Oh, okay. Really quickly. Yeah. All right. So I'm a nerd. Yeah. You, uh, you mentioned it, right? I'm a math nerd. I like the Me numbers. Too. So okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use EPA per play. You can use whatever metric you want, passer rating, whatever. But I'm gonna use EPA per play. Where do you think Tua rated an EPA per play last year in 2021? Can you? Do- you tell me what EPA. I know statistics, but I don't know. I don't know uh, NFL statistics. What does EPA mean? EPA is expected points added. All right, so this is a, okay. a, a newer metric that uh, puts into context situation and things like that. I'm actually going to write an article on all this because I use so many of these nerd terms, Alex. That we're going to post an article <laughs> that explains. Or instead my brain. of posting the article, you could be less reliant on them. But whatever. No, never. Okay, so the, the question again then with with Tua. Yeah, where do you think Tua ranked among the the 32 like primary starters in EPA? which is just efficiency like passer rating and qbr it's the same thing well i think that you just mentioned on the like on the show before so i'm kind of cheating that he's like at the cream of the crop he's the top of the league right so this year he's number one in the league okay so last year he was 21st in the league 21 out of 32 now he's one out of 32 so and uh, so i'm with you on this yeah so yeah that that's all my point is like Okay, so I wanted to. I'm glad you brought that one up. So think about it like a mediation model. X causes Y through M, right? So you, your 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 predictor variable is who the quarterback is. It's Mac or it's Tua, and the outcome is, uh, you know, maybe I'd say a less efficient offense. That's my prediction. What's the mediator? It's because Mac's arm is weak. It's because it's so okay. I, I don't like, want to get into but, but Mac and Mac and Tua managed to run the same offense at Alabama, including the I'm down just, the field. I'm throws. also not like totally understanding like where the notion that Tua has this like cannon is coming from. But that but I get that's getting into a whole other rabbit hole. I, 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 I but I, I also I appreciate your point. You're saying that look look at this quote unquote overnight change that has happened. What's the only difference? The only difference is the way that they built up the the weapons around him makes perfect sense to take that into account. And at the same time, I don't adhere to the idea that if you put Mac in that exact same situation, you'd have the exact same result. And again, it's not falsifiable. We can't go to the parallel universe to know it. It's a matter of kind of, a, of opinion. Right. And maybe the best thing to do is just to wait it out and see how Mac actually plays in this system and you make inferences. I don't know. It's, it's messy. Well, I, I appreciate it, Spee. I'm glad we, we went back and forth there for, uh, for <laughs> on both shows. But yeah, that, that that's that's my bottom line. It's not to make excuses for Mac. It's just to say that Tua didn't go from 21st in efficiency in the league to first in one offseason on his own. 
Right. He, he didn't get there on his own. Right. So maybe Mac Jones, who, who currently this year is 25th in EPA, yeah. maybe they get him better weapons and maybe Patricia figures it out or maybe they get a new coordinator and Bill O'Brien's the coordinator next year and maybe he doesn't go from 25th to 1st, right? Nope. Maybe he goes from 25th to 10th, right? Right. What was Mac last year? Mac last year was 15th, right okay. in the middle. So Net maybe, neutral. Net neutral. So maybe he goes from twenty first, from twenty fifth back to fifteenth. Like I don't know. Like I, I don't know. Maybe he doesn't go all the way up to number one. Maybe Tua is better than him. The point being is, is that one quarterback lost his offensive coordinator, didn't really upgrade many of his weapons, and has regressed. The other quarterback got Tyreek Flipping Hill and a better coordinator and Mike McDaniel, and is now the best and passer in the league. Right tackle, actually. Right tackle. Oh, yeah. Blindside protector. Yeah. And is the best quarterback in the league. Yeah. And to me, I, I, we can get into... Like, like, get into it about whether Mac is better than Tua or physically who has the stronger arm or whatever. But I don't think Tua is worlds better than Mac in terms of physical tools. Like, I don't look at Tua and see Josh Allen. I don't look at Tua and see Mahomes or Herbert or one of these specimens, right? Like, he's six feet tall. He's had the hip issues, so I think that's led to some of the decline in arm strength, certainly. But I don't look at Tua and say, oh, man, this guy is a physical marvel. Same way I don't look at Mac Jones and don't think he's a physical marvel, right? So I think they're in the same ballpark. Let me put you that way in terms of physical ability. And my guess is is that if you gave Mac Jones the Miami offense, he might not be number one like Tua is. We can we can split hairs and say that he's not going to be number one like Tua is, but I guarantee you he'd be in the top ten. Yeah. Guarantee it. So this is on the Patriots. That's my point. We can sit here and argue and say maybe Mac's not the guy. Um, you know, he didn't play well on Sunday. He didn't play well this season. All valid. All valid points, if that's what your opinion is. But in my opinion, moving forward and looking at this from a 30,000-feet angle, this is on the Patriots moving forward to fix the situation that Mac is in. Fix your offensive line. Either get Patricia to, you know, hopefully he develops as a coordinator and a play caller and you get there with Patricia, or have the foresight to realize that Patricia is not an NFL offensive coordinator and go get an NFL offensive coordinator and bring him in next year to fix this situation and ideally get him somebody that is a true number one weapon. And let's see what it looks like. Because right now, last year, rookie season, you said he's net neutral. I agree with you. He's 15th in EPA, right smack dab in the middle, net neutral quarterback, and a good system with – kid gloves on because he's a rookie this year they've taken some of the the training wheels off it hasn't looked as good the situation around him hasn't been as good the offensive line the play calling yada 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 next year it's make it or break it for everybody it's not just for mac it's make it or break it for everybody they have to be aggressive in the off season with upgrading their skill position they need one guy they don't need they have all the twos and threes they need one guy. they need to be aggressive in the off season in my opinion and fixing the line we're going to talk about it. You always mentioned that we'll talk about it in the offseason. We're going to be talking about tackles like they're going out of style because they need to fix the offensive line, bottom line. Yeah. Then I would also say they need to figure out coordinator. I, I don't know what they do there. 
Like it's such a tricky situation because of Bill's relationship with Matt Patricia. I, I don't know what, what goes on there, but they need to figure that situation out too. So if that's bigging, bringing Bill O'Brien back, if that's bringing an experienced can I, offensive can I coach to put quick? him on the staff, maybe. Bill, o, I, I would not count on Bill O'Brien. He is that's fine. going to be one of the top. There's a bunch of blue blood head coach openings in college football right yeah. now. He is going to get a head coaching job, whether it's Wisconsin, whether it's Nebraska, whether it's Auburn, Arizona State. I think Boston College would be a really interesting one for him. Obviously, that's a step down from some of those other schools, but there's not, unless he really, really, really wants to work with Mac Jones again specifically, Yeah, there's not a ton of reason for him to come back here. He's going to get a head coaching job at the college level. We talk about the playbook of how to help a rookie or a young quarterback or how to ruin a young quarterback. And if you want to call me a Mac apologist, that's fine. I'll, I'll be a Mac apologist. I don't care. Okay. How do you ruin a young quarterback? What's the playbook? Change his coordinator in his second season. Have a guy that's quite frankly, a little bit in over his head with running the offense. Yeah. Don't get him weapons. Don't protect him. What have the Patriots done to Mac Jones this year? All of that. All of it. <laughs> And then some. And then people are throwing their hands up, and they're wondering, why the heck does it look worse? Max right. regressing. Max stinks. Max not the answer. Who could have seen what it coming? What are we doing? Yeah. All right. That that uh, I'm glad I got this all off there my chest. Go. Are we doing anything on the Colts? Yes. Or? We're going right. to wrap on the Colts right now. We, we got some time. All right. They're not kicking us off, I don't think. Morell, no. No, we can, we can keep going for a few more minutes on the Colts. <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. Quickly. Yep. How did the Patriots lose this game? Uh, uh, they, so I think the biggest, well, first off, the biggest issue last year was special teams. They have to play better on special teams. First yeah. and foremost, I'm not even going to get into it. It's just everywhere. They have yeah. to be better on special teams everywhere. The thing that, that killed me last year, the Colts, whether it's Jonathan Taylor, now you add Sam Ellinger to the mix. These are guys that when you let them get to the second level untouched, they're big, powerful runners. They will take on linebackers one-on-one, -on -one, and they will win that matchup enough that it's a threat. They have to win on the defensive line at the point of attack in the running game. That doesn't mean that you know they, they can't allow Jonathan Taylor to break past that level, but they can't let him get into the second level clean. Somebody's got to get a hand on him, a shoulder on him, something. You cannot allow him clean holes. And Ellinger, too, when he's carrying the ball. You can, and Philip Lindsay, if they bring him up to fill in for Naeem Hines, he's on the practice squad. You cannot allow these guys to break free clean through the line of scrimmage. If you can tackle them, they're great, but you at least need to impede their progress so when they do get to the second level for Juwan Bentley and whoever it is, Adrian Phillips, it's just a cleanup job. Okay, agreed. Very quickly, DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart, to the best, that's probably one of the best D-line tandems Bill, in the league. Bill today said DeForest Buckner is... Sud. You know, he had him with Aaron Donald, Chris Jones, and Stunt. who was the third one? I don't know. Aaron Donald, Chris Jones. It's going to bug me. Stunt. Anyway. Can't let him take over the game. Like, it, it's going to be bad. Like, it's not going to be pretty. They can't block anybody right now. It's going to be a little bit – it's going to be clunky with that line and what the Colts pass rush can bring. The second thing that you mentioned about the running game, I think, is Cameron Hayward was the other Cameron one. Cameron Hayward. I, I'll say on that real quick. They can Really help, quickly. They can help themselves in that vein – more more RPO, more play action, things yeah. like that. You can you can obviously blocking a defensive line is the this best is way not to neutralize quickly. them. 
you can throw off their timing with things like play action RPOs. Those need to be a part of the game plan this week for the Patriots offense. Really quickly, Alex, who ran a faster 40, Mac Jones or Sam Ellinger? I think Mac, right? Mac by a tenth of a second. Oh, I thought Sam's was bad. I thought, oh, no, I'm thinking of Dustin Crum. So Sam Ellinger, to me, being a running quarterback is kind of funny. Well, he's a power back. He's not a... He's no. a power back. So a lot of well, these, he can't a throw. lot of these designs. He can't throw. So a he's lot of these, be something. a lot of these read option designs that they have are actually designed for Jonathan Taylor. Right. Jonathan Taylor is the, the feature. Right. So in my mind, last week he ran for 15 yards on six carries. Yeah. Sam Ellinger. I mean, th- two of those were scrambles, but yeah. All you got to do is give him that keep read. When he runs read oh, option, yeah. if Sam Ellinger beats them, he's not Justin Fields and Lamar Jackson. If Sam Ellinger beats them running the football. But game. here's the one thing Good I'll game. say. Here's the one thing I'll say. Tackling has been an issue. He is a hard guy to tackle in the open field. He is a Fine. big, He's not running away from runner. anybody. He's not running away from anybody, but you have to tackle him. Okay. You have tackle to get, him. You can't push him. Tackle you can't him. push him and just expect and make him, him to go down. Because everything you have to they want to do is they want to get Jonathan Taylor downhill. Right. He's the, he's the Lamar Jackson. He's the Justin Fields, right? He's right. the guy they're trying to scheme up best to get him. Second holes. best running back in the league. Just let Sam Ellinger keep the ball. If Sam Ellinger beats you on read option, running the football with a four eight four, then you got big problems. You got to tackle him though. Got to tackle. Right. tackle him. We got to wrap it up. But I want to thank everybody that called in. This was a good show. Some good fire show. in this show. show today. We'll keep it going. We'll see you guys next week. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts. Thank you.